to inspire you and to encourage you and to lift you up in your walk with Christ, I thought, what shall I share? And I decided that, well, maybe you're like me. Sometimes you find yourself doing things you wish you weren't doing. And, uh, yeah, recently I found myself fretting. Do you know what fretting is? That's sort of a strange word, but we don't use it much in our modern world. But uh, I found myself fretting. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say I'd like to appreciate the opening message that we had here. I really thought it kind of fit well with some of the things that I'm going to say this morning. And so for that reason, I'm just going to let that drawing on the board just draw another line underneath it here and put my stuff underneath. And that way you can look at that all morning long and think about how it all fits together. But I found myself fretting and somebody give me a definition for fretting. You know what I mean? Is that a word you know? What is fr- Worrying. Okay. What else? Fear. Fear. Okay. Anxiety. Anxiety. That's good. I think you understand the word. If you read the dictionary definition, it's to worry, to be anxious, to feel uneasy, to be distressed, to be upset, upset oneself or concern oneself, overthink, agonize, sigh, brood, eat one's heart out, trouble yourself or bother yourself, concern, perturb, disturb, Disquiet, alarm, panic, agitate. That's quite a list of words for Fred, isn't it? How many of you find yourself ever doing that? Yeah. Somehow or other we find ourselves doing that. Well, listen carefully. I'm going to tell you something very important. Something that you already know. It's really bad for you. It's bad for your health. It's bad for your mental stability. It's bad for your emotional well-being. It ruins your personality. It keeps you awake at night. How many of you know all that before? (laughs) Sure. You all know those things. And how many of you still find yourself doing it, even though you know it's bad for you? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to speak this morning about fretting, fret. A few weeks ago, uh, up at Harmony, we had Harry Argo speak to us. I mean, you were there. Remember some of that? Okay. Maybe you remember what that he explained what dissonance is. You know, when you find something different than you think it should be or uh, wish it were, and then you get all fixated on that. Remember, he talked about that pig in the wind or whatever. And you try to make sense of it or you try to find a solution for it and... And it just won't work. And you just can't fix it. You, you know, some things you just can't change. 
And, and maybe there are some of those things you, you work at it and you work at it. And after a while, you, you get tired of it. You all know what I'm talking about? You just really get tired of it. And you're like, I don't want to think about this anymore. And yet you keep on thinking about it. Right? And it keeps coming back. And you keep going over it. And I think we all have times when we do that, right? And we just try to bring some reality to that. Well, Jesus spoke to that a little bit in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, I want you to understand, just for a little bit of balance here, that Jesus is not saying to us that that we should never think ahead or never plan for anything. You know, like, you know, the cupboard is bare and you're going to have company and you just don't worry about it. And then you get there, the food will be on the table. Yeah, No, that's really not how it works most of the time. That's not what Jesus was saying. But listen carefully to what Jesus did say. Uh, Jesus actually did mean something by what he said. Okay? And, and so I'm inviting you to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? Or food, and is not the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now that's not a new passage to any of you, I don't think. And maybe you've heard many messages on this subject. And it would be interesting to have a discussion as to what you actually think it means. I don't think I'll take the time for that this morning. But, as I said earlier, we know it probably doesn't mean that you should just, you know, be 
absent, you know, just thoughtless about everything and never give a thought of anything. That's not what it's saying. But it's this idea of being consumed with life, the things of this world, having enough of money, work, 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 got to get it done, got to. And we're all wrapped up in this world. And there's more to life than eating, dressing up, and going places. But what is it that's more than life? What's more than that that you should get a hold of? What is it that Jesus was actually saying to these people when he gave that Sermon on the Mount? And what is it that he's saying to you today? Is it not that there is a reality that is beyond this physical world that we live in? That's the reason why the reason why we fret. And I'm going to give you a little bit more about that a little bit later. But Jesus ended this little thing saying, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. A little more on that later. Okay? It's that sufficiency business that we're going to talk about a little later. Let's go to the next passage that I picked here for you. Turn to Psalm chapter, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. And this has my title in it. This word fret. It starts out, and I'll put the rest of the title on the the board here now. That's my title for the message today. Fret not. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I think I'll just stop there for right now. Maybe pick up some of that a little bit later. But while the word uh, fret is used here, maybe you can think of all the other words that we talked about this morning, the definitions, all the worry, the stress, the Things that come into your life that, you know, get you kind of hung up. Gets you fixated on things. And I found, like I said, I found myself doing that. I don't know if any of you are having things like that that you face right now or have been facing. But but you get there and you have no answers for things. You have like, and, and you just keep going around, round and round and round and round and you wonder and you get tired of it and you wish you could just stop it 
Oh, that's fretting. And you shouldn't do that. How are you not going to do that? You know, it's just not as easy as saying, stop it. Really. It's just not, is it? I mean, maybe you do stop it. And then all of a sudden you discover you're doing it again. It's just not that quite that easy. But I'll give you a few things here from this passage that will give you some handles on this thing. First of all, the reason why we fret is because we're on the throne. That's why. Thank you, Wayne. This all fits in nicely. I didn't know that he was going to say this, what he was going to say this morning. I'm sure he didn't know what I was going to say, but I think the Spirit kind of put this together for us. The reason why we fret is because self is on this throne. And we want to do it our way, according to our thoughts. That's the reason why we fret. The answer to that problem is to get yourself off of that throne and get Jesus on. Even way back here in Psalms, before Jesus was born into this world, even in the Old Testament, the saints were admonished to turn their hearts unto the Lord. And he says, trust, verse 3, trust in the Lord. Just trust in the Lord. And he's going to take care of you. Just, that's where it starts. To turn your heart away from self and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to this problem. And it doesn't matter. And it's going to be all right. Because God is going to take care of me. That's really what Jesus was saying there in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, take no thought about all these things. Just cut that out. Because God's going to take care of you. He loves you. And he's going to take care of you. Point number one. Okay? If God takes care of the lilies of the field... He's going to take care of you. If God feeds the sparrows and not one of them falls without your father taking notice of them, then surely nothing can happen to you without the father taking note of it. He's going to take care of you. Well, next is that you have more important things to do than to fret. Did you know that? There's things to do that... uh, When you fret, does that fix it? Doesn't really, does it? You fret and you fret and you fret and you still don't get any answers. And it's like an endless cycle. Somebody said it's the interest you pay on tomorrow's problems that is not due yet. And it doesn't pay the bill. It doesn't go away and fretting doesn't change it. But you got more important things to do than that. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit yourself unto him. 
Trust him and, it sh- and he shall bring it to pass. Okay? And he say, here's another promise. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Just as bright as the sunshine out there, your good sense and common sense will shine if you get yourself off of that throne and you get Jesus back on that throne and you just do what is right. Just do what is right because it's right. You will shine. You will shine like the noonday sun if you get yourself out of the picture and Jesus in the picture. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord. Sometimes that's difficult to do, isn't it? Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the wicked man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Oh, sometimes we get so upset about these people that are doing what they shouldn't be doing and you, somebody ought to just shut that fellow up. <laughs> you know, get all that. No. Don't fret over that. Sometimes we get all upset and angry. Verse 8. It says, cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Don't you let yourself ever get really upset about that bad guy that's doing stuff that he shouldn't do. Don't let yourself fret in any wise to do something that you really shouldn't do. You did it because you were all upset. You know what that's like? You know, somebody gets your ire up and all of a sudden you did something that you kind of later wish you wouldn't have done. No. Don't do that. <clears throat> For the evildoers, verse 9, shall be cut off. God's going to take care of those. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Did you know that in a little while, there won't be any evildoers here anymore? They're going to all be cut off. And only the righteous are going to be left on the earth. Sometimes that's hard to picture. That's what it says. The meek shall inherit the earth, verse 11, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of, the, of peace. You see, God's going to bring this to pass one day. One of these days, all of the evil stuff, God's going to take care of it. So let go of it. Just let go of it. Because God's going to take care of it. The wicked plotteth against the just. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes it even feels like he's biting you, right? He gnashes upon him with his teeth. But you know what? The Lord's just laughing at that fellow. You know, it says, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Just picture this. It's like, you know, God's watching and God says, (laughs) Yeah, Just you wait, Betty. Your day's coming. Yeah, that's how God feels about it. About the evildoer that does wrong. He's, yeah. You've got your day coming, buddy. Remember that. Always. When you're facing something that's just not right. 
Yeah, there are things like that, right? There are things that happen to you like that, right? There are things that happen to me like that. And the things are just not right. Yeah, well, take a deep breath. God sees his day coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and they have bent their bow. Looks really serious. Their design is to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. They're after us. Yeah, well. Verse 17, the arms of the wicked will be broken. And the Lord knows how to uphold you if you're righteous. Well, there's a lot more. I'm, you could continue to the end of the chapter. And there's just ex- example after example after example of how God is in charge. God is in charge and God's going to bring all unrighteousness into perfection. And therefore, it's not your problem. Your problem is to make sure you get in the right place. Your problem is not to set everybody else right. Your problem is to make sure that you're becoming what God wants you to be. Okay? It's your problem is getting this selfish fellow off the throne and making sure Jesus is on that throne. Well, if you can do that, you're at least in the to first base on not fretting. Just the first base, though, I think. I think there's a little more here yet. All right, I'd like you to turn now to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, while the word fret is not used in this passage, it's still a great passage of Scripture showing us how not to fret. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. I'm going to begin there. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. You ever try doing that when you're fretting? That's a stretch, isn't it? I'm going to read that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Even when you're facing extreme difficulty. Even when that jerk has just ripped you off. Uh, Isn't that kind of incongruent? How do you do that? When that guy just pulled out in front of you and you and you slammed on the brakes and you nearly had an accident and you're just feeling like you jerk. Now it's time to rejoice. 
Yeah, see? You got to get self off of this chair. You got to get self off of that chair. The reason why you're all upset is because self is on that chair. If Jesus was on that chair, it would be different. It would be. If Jesus is on that chair, you're going to say, Thank you, Lord. That could have been worse. Nothing happened. I got it stopped in time. Hallelujah. Is there a difference? Uh huh. Big difference. All right. So you have much better things to do than fretting. And rejoicing is one of them. And nearly every circumstance that you can, I, I, I shouldn't say nearly, I think probably all circumstances, inclusive all, there is something that you could be thankful for and rejoice. At least you could rejoice, it's not worse. It's nothing better. But you could rejoice. And you ought to set your heart to rejoicing. I don't know how many of you have ever read the book Pollyanna. That's a classic. It's fiction. But, yeah, it's a good study in rejoicing. If you never read that book, maybe you'll do that someday. That'll be fun for you. Pollyanna is the title. Anyway, so much for that. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. Uh, Would you explain that to me? What does that mean? Let your moderation be known unto all men. Somebody, are you awake? Let your moderation be known unto all men. It's not kind of the way we say it today, is it? I don't think some of this is right in self-control. Yeah, that would be good. Or you can say, I think the word moderation means whatever you do, the things that you do. And let that be known unto all men. In other words, you have, I'll just put it in my own language here, you have nothing to hide. Just live openly, freely, graciously, rejoicing every day, nothing to hide, nothing to worry about. You're free. Let it Open-handed, open-handed, nothing to hide. Anybody that want to know what you're doing, they, they can tell. Do you know that a lot of worry and fretting comes from when people are trying to hide stuff? They don't want everybody to know. You know, they hide behind their thing, you know. Listen, if you just had nothing to hide, you can be free. Okay? Verse 6. No, missed a phrase here. The Lord is at hand. I want you to remember, it's just as if you're holding hands with the Lord. The Lord is right at your hand. And as you're walking through life, you're walking hand in hand with Him. And if you walk hand in hand with Him, What do you have to worry about? 
Is there anything in this wide world that you could worry about if you had hand in hand with Jesus or you're walking hand in hand with him? Is there anything in the world you could worry about? It's like Jesus was with you in the boat and he can still the storm. Yeah, we all know that, right? Intellectually, we know that. More on that later. Intellectually, we know that. Experientially, it's a little different. Okay, next verse. Be careful for nothing. That means, don't worry. Fret, if you will please. Don't fret about anything. But in everything, by prayer. So you got something that you think, oh, that's just not the way it ought to be. Oh my goodness, that's not right. Well, it's time for prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We sing a song sometimes. Uh, oh, what needless pain we bear if we would only take it to the Lord in prayer. Right? All this turmoil and stress and things in your life that you fret over, why don't you take it to the Lord in prayer? Okay, everything by prayer and supplication. And don't forget to be in thanksgiving while you're at it. Oh, you know, so many times we go to God in prayer and we say, Oh God, please do this and please do this and please do this. And oh, I'm having this, all this struggle and all this pain. And oh, no, no, no. And not a word of thanksgiving. Not a word. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I just want to make sure you're not sleeping. All right. Listen, when you go to the Lord in prayer without thanksgiving, you're not in right tune. You're selfish. This self guy is still on the throne here, buddy. That's why you can't give thanksgiving. If you had God on the throne, you would be thanking him. For something at least. Okay? So when you go to prayer with all your struggles and all your fretfulness, thanksgiving, it is vitally important. And if it is not there, there is a key element missing. You're not where you ought to be. Uh, By the way, in case this sounds like I'm pointing fingers at you, I'm really pointing fingers at myself, you know, three of them back here, you know. Uh, I told you at the beginning I was fretting, right, a little bit. I'm preaching to me. In case it just sounded like I'm saying too much about you. Because really, this is the thing that I'm preaching to myself. I need it. It's the thing that is truth. It's in the Bible. It's a thing that I believe. Maybe I have not experienced it fully, but I'm yearning to have it more fully. It is the kind of thing that I believe is truth, and I'm applying it to me. If it happens to work with you too, so much the better. All right. 
So, <clears throat> back to the scriptures. While you're giving thanks, you let your requests be made known unto God. And you know what? He knows how to answer those things. And he does answer them. Frequently, he answers them differently than you wish. But he does answer them. He will answer them. And one of the things that comes to you immediately, if you do this right, is the peace of God. The great peace of God, which passes all understanding. I I can't say that more eloquently. But get it. The peace that passes all understanding, beyond all description, beyond all explanation, that peace can be yours and mine. Can be. Peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And then we have this wonderful passage in verse 8 about what you should think about. Things that are true. Things that are honest. Things that are just. Things that are pure. Things that are lovely. Things that are of good report. Things that are full of virtue and praise. And if you get done with all of those things, there's probably not much time left, is there? I think if you do it right, you won't have time for the other stuff. Okay? That's a wonderful passage. The Lord is a hand. He's right there. Walking with you. So get your mind out of the ditch. You know what I mean? This ditch of fretfulness, which has got you fixated. And you're not living life to the full. You're not living it the way God wants you to live it because you're fretting. And you're in the ditch. And your wheels are spinning. And you're going nowhere. Yeah, you don't need to be there. You don't. Okay? I'm presuming this morning that most of you will have something in your life that you could fret about. Right? Something or other. At least if not right now, you've probably had or will have. You certainly will have if you haven't yet. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We all know that in our heads, right? And yet, it keeps coming back to us. Coming back to us. I'd like to 
point you to another thing here yet this morning. I'd like you to realize with me this morning, and I know you know this is already true, but you know there are times when tragedy strikes. Do you know what I mean? Extreme tragedy strikes. And life, as we have known it, stops. And a new reality begins. It is in times like this That we find God in a way we never expected. Why is that? Well, it's because that's when we have come to our place of helplessness. Okay? It's sometimes it just takes these really big events to stop us in our tracks. And to get us to the place where there, nothing I can do can change it. Nothing. And in that helplessness, I turn to God. There's nowhere else to turn, right? And there, you meet God in a way that surprises you. Okay? I know you know that's all true. Perhaps some of you have experienced that. Now I'm going to propose to you something else. What if, what if every fretful circumstance was an opportunity? You see, it's an opportunity. When tragedy strikes, And you have nowhere else to go. You suddenly experience God. You see, it's an opportunity. And you are forced, in a sense, to get off of yourself. And there you find God. What if every fretful circumstance was an opportunity to get closer to God? What if you saw it that way? If instead of fretting, and instead of having all your emotional turmoils and all your mental arguments and all of your uh, nail-biting and whatever you do when you're fidgeting and, and you can't sleep, what if instead of all of that, you suddenly became aware of the fact this is, this is an opportunity, Myron. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. What if this opportunity was actually by divine appointment that God particularly left it happening to you on purpose because He wants you to learn something. Now, I know that's a stretch for some of you. That's a stretch for me sometimes. But don't you believe, intellectually now, you believe, don't you, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord? 
How many believe that? Yeah, intellectually, I mean. Now, I won't ask you for the next one experientially. Because a lot of you couldn't put up your hands for experientially, and that's me too. Yeah, experientially somewhat. But completely, no, I ain't got it yet. I'm learning. Are you learning? If you're learning, then there's hope for you. Okay? All things work together for good to them that love him. What if this is the very reason why God allowed this fretful circumstance to come into your life? What if it was because you were trying too hard? I mean, let's put this in other words now since Wayne had this nice opening. What if you were on the throne and God saw that you were on the throne and he really wanted you to get off of there so he can get on again? It's an opportunity. What if you saw your fretfulness circumstance as opportunity? You see, we like to D-I-M it. I don't know if you know what that means. Probably not. We like to dim it. We like to do it Myself. Okay? We do it myself. We see this in children, you know. Little children often, you know, they're playing, they're doing their thing, and they want to do it themselves. No, 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 I don't want to help. I want to do this myself, you know. It's a part of us, right? It's a part of our nature. To want to do it myself. And this is so pervasive probably a lot more than most of us realize we see it in children and sometimes you know they're playing with toys or something and and they're trying to get this thing to fit together you know there's this maybe they have blocks or something and they're trying to get these blocks to fit together and they just won't go they get all frustrated you've seen that right Well, the problem is, those blocks were never intended to fit together there. That's not what they were made for. They're trying to squish them together in a way they're not made to squish together. Okay? It's it's never going to go together. It's not made to go together. Now, here, let me show you how this is supposed to work. You know, I mean, this goes right on like that. Okay? That's how it goes. Sometimes in life we're like that. We're just trying to jam this thing in a way that, you know, it won't go together the way we wanted to go. It doesn't. It doesn't go. And we all, you know, frustrated. Would you allow God to just take your life and say, "Look, it ain't made to go together like that. It's made together like this." There, see. You have to turn it around. Or you put it on this end. God has things to show you in your life. And many times you're just looking at it wrong. 
You're looking at it like a child that's trying to force it your way. Your way or the highway, we sometimes say. Or whatever. You know, you've got to get self off of this throne. Just fits there wonderfully. Thanks, Wayne. Sometimes you don't have to fix it. You know that? Sometimes things are wrong, but it isn't necessarily your problem to fix it. Sometimes it is the way it is so that you can find God. And sometimes it is the way it is so that you can find each other. I don't know if you got that. You see... Somebody said that if you got it from God, that is a spiritual blessing. If you got a spiritual blessing from God, you have to give it away or it'll go stale. You ever heard that before? If the word of God flowed into you richly, and if the blessing of God came into you richly, and you just held it, Hmm, how wonderful. It goes stale. After a while, there's nothing there anymore. It's not wonderful anymore. And the reason is, you didn't share it. I want to tell you this morning, that when you get the fullness of God, and you pass it on to someone else, you don't lose it. You get more of it. Okay? You can double it by passing it. If you just hoard it, you'll just have staleness. If you never touch the lives of anyone else, you're going to be a cranky Christian. I'm telling you. I know. I've been there. Trying hard not to be there. If you got it from God, you must give it away or it'll go stale. You see, God has not meant for us to operate without himself. We are meant to be in communication and operating continuously hand in hand with God. And it is God's desire to make himself, not you, himself bigger through you. And we get this all backwards. Because we are such selfish individuals, because we are so self-oriented, we want our lives to go nice and hanky-pank, you know, that's like everything is nice, you know, this is the way it should be, you know, ha, 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 you know. Uh, this is the way we want life to be, you know. And anything that gets in that way, ugh, that's bad, bad stuff. 
you get that all wrong. First of all, it's not about you and your happiness. You were not created for you. Okay? That's point one. Point one is you were created for God. You got to get that one straight. God created you for himself. And he wants to pour himself into you. And when that happens, that's wondrous. That's really wondrous. But that's not all that was supposed to take place. Because then, as God has poured himself into you, now he wants to keep on pouring himself into you that you might overflow, like this bucket over here, that you might overflow into the lives of others and touch the lives of others. And if that does not happen, you're going to be stale. You're going to be growing scum in your bucket if you're not overflowing. You know, this is going to get... Do you know what a bucket of water gets like if it just sets around long enough? It gets nasty. That's the way Christians get when they do not help other people. They get nasty. Okay? Now, you get God on the throne here again, and you get the river of life flowing from the Father into your life and filling it overflowingly so that you pour out the grace of God to others. And you know what? When that happens, you will shine like the noonday sun. You'll just be full of life, full of goodness, full of grace, full of love, full of answers. Okay? But you must have God on the throne. And he must be flowing into you and out of you. This is a hard lesson for me to learn. I get myself in the way so often. It's just the truth. I get myself in the way far too often. And when I let myself get in the way, my river dries up. My problems escalate. I fret. I fume. And I do things I shouldn't do. Anybody else find that? This is not what you were made for. You were not made to be a failure. Last Sunday, we heard a little bit about patience and goodness or godliness. That was good. I can't put all the last Sunday on top of this yet. But I just want to say this. Godliness or God-likeness is very different from man-likeness. Very, very different. And if you're going to persevere into God-likeness or godliness, yeah, and it's going to take some patience, you know, and get all that. But that's very, very different than manliness, man-likeness. Okay? But to become like God is the very best thing in the world. I know you know that intellectually. 
Knowing it experientially is quite another thing, isn't it? You know, there's nothing better. There is nothing more satisfying. There is nothing more Christian and more vitalizing than to know. Than to know that you are in tune with God. That God's spirit gave to you. And then to be able to take, may I pick on you, take this brother that's struggling and having a heartache and give to him the words of life. And then to see this brother get a hold of life and be changed and to be vitalized. There is nothing that comes close to that. Disneyland won't do that for you. All the amusement parks put together won't do that for you. The wildest ride on a roller coaster won't do that for you. There is nothing more exhilarating than to know the goodness of God pass through me to my brother. Nothing matches that. Nothing. How many of you know what that's like? Experientially. I don't think it happens as often as it should. I know it doesn't happen for me as often as it should. But that's what we're created for. That's what we're made for. That is what our destiny is. That is what you are called to live every day of your life. To be in tune with God. To have God speak to you. The words of immortality. And then to pass it on. And then to pass it on. Now folks, do you realize that you cannot pass it on to anyone unless there are fretful circumstances? Do you get that? Do you see this morning that every fretful circumstance is opportunity? You can't pass something to someone who has no need. You see that? What if you were to see every circumstance that is so fretful? As opportunity. First of all, personally. And then third party. To give to someone else. What if you were to see that every circumstance is such an opportunity? And while, you know, my brother is weeping over his struggle. It is the opportunity for me to be Christ. To him. Opportunity. There is no greater joy than that. I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I think it is now. I uh, was in Lebanon. 
and I just decided to stop in to Lyndon there, Lyndon's shop there, and uh, surprise him a little and just see where he works because I was right in the area anyway, so I did that. And so Lyndon took me through a little tour of his shop there and showed me all around and see the shop and everything. And as we were coming out through, I I saw in the hallway there that he has this bell hanging there and on there with a little ringing cord there. It reminded me of the little bell you see at Wendy's sometimes. You know, if you're satisfied with your service, ring the bell, you know. You ever do that? Well, I looked at that and I... And I commented about that, and I said, yeah, you've got this bell here. What's this bell about? He says, well, that's, you know, that's something that we ring every time we make a sale, you know. So that because we're a team, you know, and, and so you make a sale, and ching, ling, 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 we got a sale. Woo-hoo! Let's enjoy this together. Okay. Now, why did I tell you that? I want to tell you this. If you find this fullness of turning your fretful circumstance into the flowing river of God, you're going to feel like ringing the bell. I mean, you're going to ring the bell. Okay? It is that great. It is. If you find that you are in tune with God and God's Spirit has meant something to you personally and then you pass it on to someone else who is hurting, you are going to ring a bell. You're going to be, I mean, your fullness will double by passing it on. Okay? That's how you take care of fretfulness. Now, I'll tell you what, I haven't mastered this. I'm still working at it. But I believe it's true. I believe it's what God has called us to, that we should turn our everyday circumstances into finding him personally. In such a way that our lives are so transformed that we have something to share to others. Something to get a hold of other people and point them to God. And if you do that, you're going to ring the bell. Okay? And remember this. When you face the next fretful circumstance, it is Almighty God calling you higher. Higher.